If you believe in democracy, one typically votes. But if you didn't, this year, someone else might have voted for you. There has always been election fraud in America, with the political machines of Chicago, New York, and Boston coming to mind. But for a U.S. presidential election, 2020, like in other areas of life, may have broken new records. Well, I'm not a crook. I've burned everything I've got. A military-industrial complex. A new world order. But we are here to destroy the control over the industry of other people. I did not trade arms for hostages. It's been nine billion. Hi, welcome to the myth of the 21st century, the first myth that anything matters. I'm Hank Coslow, I'm joined by a full house and all of our lovely listeners who I think are staying very safe and cozy as we wait to figure out uh, how this whole thing is going to shake out, which is the topic of our show. Yeah, I just want to say I'm, um, I'm very grateful to know you guys. Um, it's not easy to find people where I live, or, or even if I was in a big metro area, find people that could converse on a certain level. I, I was talking to a buddy of mine uh, who lives uh, quite far away, and we keep in touch because... You know, we follow this stuff uh, from an angle that I think a lot of normal people don't. Um, you know, they're in either the red or the blue camp or QAnon or something. It's also tiresome, <laughs> to put it very uh, succinctly. And it's nice to know some people who kind of know a lot of this is a big theater. Um, and it does matter, but uh, I just wanted to say I'm happy to know you guys. Ditto. Yeah. Hey, you so, too, bro. Uh, I think that uh, that's our number one piece of advice during all this. I think that's what we're really going to do here is try and give some advice. Uh, know some people and make sure you know some people very well. Family is probably the first one that you should know. But outside of that, make sure you have uh, contacts that are local and maybe not local in case you need to uh, get away from your local area for some reason. Because uh, as things sort of start to uh, break down here, it's going to look like uh, the network that you have is going to be the really the only network you can be able to rely upon. I don't think there's going to be a lot of network growth from here on out. Yeah, the, the expression so, is your network is your net worth. Yeah, yeah. Which is, is very true. I, I mean, I, I've learned so much, again, from knowing you guys <laughs> and being able to discuss things at a very deep level. Uh, and it's also, it opens doors to people that are obviously very thoughtful and, and curious. And if you haven't cultivated those types of relationships, it can be very, uh, scary. And you're sort of at the whims of what the mainstream media is sort of trying to push down your throat. And, and it's a bad place to be. And it, and I'll admit yesterday I wasn't feeling good. And I, I had to talk to, um, a friend of mine and he helped me sort of sort things out in my head and, and I, I felt better. Um, and I 
you know, talked to people today and I felt better. And so it's just good to know good people. So it's always, always a good thing. Like, let's be clear. This is a winnable situation, both in the short term, the medium term and the long term. If, uh, you know, you're listening to this in the far future, I don't know when we're going to drop this, but we're recording via Thursday after the election, November 5th, 2020. And the situation after the election, uh, as a... <laughs> the election never <laughs> ends, man. <laughs> We've yeah. always been at election, implying, <laughs> implying that votes ever stop being cast. Uh, the situation seems to boil down kind of in broad strokes. This isn't going to be like the statistical minutiae uh, autism episode, but essentially in quite a few uh, key states, what appears to have happened is that uh, Trump was riding a, a fairly sizable lead uh, until everybody sort of called a, uh, called a pause, uh, hit the old pause button uh, early circa about like you know two three four a.m uh the uh, the night of uh, election night and magically uh, a couple of hours after that we just you know we, we started finding these hundreds of thousands of ballots that were uh, marked for joe biden and they were so happy that they were able to vote for joe biden that they they actually didn't bother to vote for any down ballot races once they had you know that that sort of spiritual release from bubbling in that that biden bubble they just you know they just sent that bitch on its way and called it a night and not just you know there it was it was a miraculous like you know we we kind of talk shit about you know some of our some of our more democratic uh, demographics but let me tell you the hyper competency with which you can get a hundred thousand people in milwaukee to fill out a form specifically with zero mistakes and 100 percent ideological alignment not a single one says she i ain't doing that not a single one who's got the hand tremors and accidentally switches over and bubbles in the wrong bubble. I mean, this is like a miniature Wakanda that only happens once every four years for one magical 24-hour period and then evaporates into the ether. And this is what we're left with now. It's a clearly incredible, in the sense of not at all credible situation, with probably physically valid ballots in the sense that these were not like runoff at Kinko's or whatever. These are people that grabbed ballots from nursing homes. They registered people that didn't actually exist. They cast ballots at the actual polling center and then marked off the names of people that had not voted that were nonetheless on the voter registration rolls. So these are physically valid ballots that are obviously the result of a fraud campaign. This is not just our narrative. This is, you know, as far as anyone can tell, like the party line of Donald Trump and co. And not just the party line in the sense of like, this is our narrative and we're sticking to it. Like I have not heard a single person give a at all credible explanation for how you get 
batches of several hundred thousand votes that are all going identically and only happen in particular swing states. It's absurd. So, yeah, I, I've been sharing what's this. Happen, what's going to be done about it? Yeah, I've been sharing this graph. I mean, just to like visualize it uh, for people who just listen to the MP3s. Um, imagine two lines that are sort of going up as they're counting the votes. One is red, one is blue. Obviously, red is Trump, blue is Biden. Trump is is basically he's he's breaking away. He's he's sort of rising above the the trend slope of Biden. And then all of a sudden, these ballots drop, and not only do they like skip up past like or right at where Trump is, they're all for Biden, every single one. So it's basically a vertical line that jumps on the Biden uh, side, and then Trump doesn't move at all. I mean, it's just statistically impossible that you're like getting a flow of uh, random uh, votes uh, with with some randomness, and then you have this just. 100,000, 200,000 people all voting one way. I mean, if you play uh, play a dice or if you play roulette, I mean, statistically, this is impossible. It, absolutely impossible unless there's something fraudulent not, going not on. Only, I mean, I've heard, I've heard some people like throw out the hypothesis that maybe for some retarded reason they were segregating the ballots before they were quote-unquote counted like they were doing a first pass where they're like, okay, this is probably Biden, this is probably Trump, and then they were counting them. Yeah. So they were like, you know, first we're going to count the ones that we sorted into the Biden pile, and then we're going to count the ones that we sorted into the Trump pile, which is retarded. And there's no reason why you do that because it's literally double the work. But even if you did that, like even if you split the votes into Trump and Biden piles, and then you counted the pile, the split has random error so if you're looking at it and you're like this is probably trump this is probably biden you're going to end up with some where you literally threw it into the wrong pile or where the scantron if you're using any sort of uh you know optically graded ballots or whatever made an error because somebody drew an x instead of ovaled it in you know they had just smoked a pack of Marlboros and there's a fat slug and nicotine on that ballot. Like you're going to end up with a few. Like, I, I mean, anyone who's done any sort of human power to data entry process, you cannot get the error rate lower than like two to 5%, depending on what you're doing. You just can't like, it doesn't matter who it is that you're dealing with. If you've got like the PhD, like, Asian autists and their job is literally like tick this box, they will fuck up with some amount of frequency that needs to be accounted for. It's God, it's just it it's insulting the level of fraud and it's 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 almost the thesis that I'm operating under is that everyone assumes that okay, if you just do enough fraud, then it doesn't matter because it won't be punished. So if you're willing to do it at all, you might as well go full Scarface and just be hauling in just sacks of ballots from the van. We'll push it to the limit to plays in the background. Well, well there's always been fraud. Um, I mean, Kennedy, you know, versus Nixon one was the most famous where like, you know, pets were voting and like dead people were voting. But they've they've been smart enough to do it at the margins, so that it's there not like Saddam Hussein levels of like ninety nine percent voting for one guy. 
But now, two hundred percent turnout in different hey, Milwaukee. Hey, hey, Saddam was Saddam was a legitimately elected. <laughs> At this point, I might vote for him. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so two hundred percent turnout, huh? That's great. Well, there was a lot of fraud. Correct me if I'm wrong. Alleged in the 2012 election in these same precincts in Philadelphia, but there was similar fraud accusations and similar patterns in like I think the 2008 Minnesota governor's race with uh, Norm something. Yeah, that was uh, the Senate race that Senate put, race. Uh, Al Franken. The yeah, there were there were there, there's that was like where they just found ballots in the back of someone's car all like, of a sudden. Well, yeah, anyone who knows whose ballots these are, I, I, okay, yeah. well, I guess we better count them down. Yeah, uh, this this is an old pattern, and uh, I I think it's well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna add that I, I think that when you're operating when you're operating with the best interest of the nation in mind. I think that it's perfectly legitimate for your dead ancestors to be able to vote, but that's just my take. <laughs> At this point, I agree. <laughs> well, it does appear as though there's there's quite a bit of material now coming out from a variety of sources indicating that lots of people who have the birth date, uh, 0101, 1900, uh, seem to be have registered to vote and did actually participate in voting. Um, someone who we broadly know, uh, who is associated with medical billing, uh, commented that this is a common data entry trick utilized by hospitals and other organizations. Um, when someone comes in and they're not able to immediately verify their birth date, they put it in as a placeholder birth date. It's also and Excel default. It's also Excel default. So uh, honestly, it you know there seems to be a great deal of just basic. Uh, data analysis being performed by people like uh, Tantum and Spotted Toad, who are doing um, a very good job, I would say, finding air patterns and uh, seems to be just probably a very simple uh, linear regression problem to determine, uh, you know, to actually to reverse engineer probably what they would have done in order to create the uh, notion of randomness here. But I think that increasingly the strategy for the Trump campaign should be denoting statistical anomalies as their primary point of evidence along with just the fact that in some of these precincts and some of these counties as a whole, um, more people voted than there are registered to vote. It's now come out that that is the case in parts of Wisconsin. And this, that's clear evidence of some kind of problem. So those, I think, are much better than any of these anecdotal pieces about uh, the ballots themselves. It's going to be impossible to prove it's going to cost way too much time and money. The, what they really should be looking at is statistical anomaly analysis. They should be looking at the modeling. They should be trying to determine uh, the point of custody of all of these batches, not each ballot, but the batches of ballots and how they came in. If there is some kind of assignment to each batch, what was the point of custody, the point of transfer for each of those batches? And if something has no clear point of custody or point of transfer, then you sue to remove that whole batch. It's not it, – it's effectively tainted. You know, these are the standards we apply to chain of custody in uh, law enforcement. And entire murder cases, entire racketeering cases uh, can get thrown out for a simple chain of custody problem. So we need to apply that same level of standard, and I think that's what they really should be doing. They should be focusing on looking at – 
these things in the aggregate, not individualistically, and they should also be trying to look at the aggregate statistical anomaly detection. So this is just Im totally impossible. This is five and or six, this is like is, five so, standard deviations away from the possibility. And it just yes. it needs so to be recounted. So the question is... Uh, Obviously, they're going to take it to court, and obviously, there's going to be recounts. The question is, like, a lot of the remedies that they would propose, I mean, this, these 4 a.m. ballot drops, a lot of courts are going to be very leery. A, those ballots may not be discernible anymore, like those specific ballots. Like, I mean, these... <laughs> If you are dealing with raw competency, the idea that you're going to segregate ballots by, you know, the circumstances by which they arrived, as opposed to, oh yeah, chuck them in the pile, it's uh, a little bit optimistic to expect that in Milwaukee or Philadelphia or Detroit. The other problem is that it's quite possible that some of those do correspond to people who will claim that they are legitimate and they are in fact like like legitimately cast in the sense that okay this is a person who exists they filled out the thing it's here it's just that it was harvested on their behalf like we're not clear on exactly what the provenance is, like what the mechanism was for let's get 100,000 identical ballots together. Like if you had, imagine like a nursing home with just 100,000 people in it, it's like here, Grandma signed this envelope and they sign the envelope and then like you go and you bubble them in and batch, that would result in this sort of pattern. And like it would take a fair amount of... Uh, analysis and tracing and sort of, you know, the, the, the proxy for a criminal investigation or to discern that for every individual ballot. And courts are going to be very leery of being like, yeah, 100,000 ballots in the trash. Let's chuck them. Uh, that's, that starts to smack of the judiciary imposing a result, which, you know, is their job in some cases. But nonetheless, they're going to be very skeptical of. So I think it is quite possible that this goes to the next stage beyond the judiciary. Like at a certain point, you might have a judge. I think it's actually pretty likely that at some point a judge is going to say, yeah, it's clear there was fraud. We can't figure out exactly which ballots were fraudulent there's a backup mechanism in the same way where somebody who has been uh, uh wrongfully convicted of some crime and they've exhausted all of their appeals there's no legal mechanism to reopen the case but this guy should get a pardon like judges write that all the time and i have the feeling that at some point a judge is going to be like this is a fuck up. There was an obvious fraud. It's impossible to figure out the precise number of ballots and under what circumstances they were affected. But thankfully, the U.S. Constitution gives the state legislatures the ability to override this fraud and award delegates or electors as they see fit. So then we go to that stage, uh, which is where I think things will get very fraught. 
And let me ask you this, if, um, and I'm not quite, maybe if we have time, we can get into like actually the chain of like all the courts involved. I mean, a lot of people think the Supreme Court will be involved, uh, which is interesting given how the new justice was just appointed. But my main question is, are people ever going to get punished for this stuff? Does anybody face any consequences in this country anymore? There are judges. There 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 are are people in Philadelphia who got indicted. There's somebody who has indicted like fucking four times over the past decade for voter fraud. Like people do get indicted behind this shit. I don't know. But do they go to prison? You know, let's roll up the entire state Democratic Party or whatever. It's crazy. I mean, head's got to roll. Like this is like they're... They're dancing, you know, on the grave of their enemy. And if the the guy in the in the grave suddenly gets up and kicks him in the head, I mean, they're going to notice it. And I think Trump's got to play hardball right now. Yeah, I mean, they're like, I am sure, given the panoply of federal laws, like you know, everyone there's a expression and a actually a fantastic uh, book, uh, Three Felonies a Day. Like, if if you're able to have the very facile definition of crimes that don't even really exist, like conspiracy against the United States for nothing in particular, uh, that uh, Bob Mueller was investigating, like I have not looked up the specific statutes, but I'm fairly sure that fraudulent interference in a federal election is probably a federal crime. I mean, one would assume so. Uh, so, I mean, I would assume that there's no reason why you can't send U.S. Marshals around like busting heads and arresting people on flimsy pretexts, especially if things get extremely fraught. Uh, and I'm not sure that legal niceties, once the courts are to the point where they're like, yeah, something is fucked up, but it's a political problem and we can't resolve it without imposing our judicial wisdom upon the political process. At that point, it's it's fairly explicitly like, okay, political problems need a political solution, not a judicial solution. It's an extrajudicial solution, if you get my drift. So, I mean, once things go to state legislatures a lot of these state legislators are a literally who i mean i assume that we have a fairly politically involved audience and just mentally raise your hand if you can name your state representative and your state senator and if you just want to pull the room around you and uh, ask them if they can name their respective uh, state reps and state senators it's, uh, I think the fact that sort of, most people can't is revealing how much more power the federal government has in our daily lives than even the state government. I mean, in some ways, well, that's I not mean, true, but the, the honest, awareness the of it. Like, right, state but the, laws the, matter a yes, hell of a lot. The awareness of it, though, like on your day-to-day, is not there. Uh, when you're trying to like do just local business stuff. But or, at the same time, we, know, we, we to pay you know three to five times as much in federal taxes as we do in state taxes on average. I would say, and so sure, but it, that's all social security warfare. And yeah. then, like a lot of those state, a lot of the remaining federal funds just get like laundered back through the states. So you know, things like Medicare, Medicaid, uh, get channeled through hospitals that often operate under like purely state authority. 
I mean, state governments matter a lot, and they're fairly uh, obscure to a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> as a re result, sometimes there's a distinct uh, kind of brain drain problem in state legislators where the highly competent go-getters, instead of being like, hey, my mission is to become the, the best damn representative for like southeastern Missouri that I can possibly be. And, you know, I, I think we've got some changes to make around here. And maybe I'll even become like the Missouri State House whip. Like instead of doing all of that, they're like, well, that's cool, but uh, it's sort of a jumping off point to maybe I can get a congressional seat out of it. Mm -hmm. Maybe I can get a cabinet appointment out of it. Maybe I can get a judicial appointment. Uh, so there's always sort of one level up um, that has a little bit more prestige and a little bit more ability to act with impunity than uh, your state government does. And so the state legislatures, like a friend of ours has an anecdote where a particular uh, state a Republican delegation was uh, gung-ho on the idea of signing on to the uh, National Popular Vote uh, Compact, uh, which essentially amounts to uh, the state saying that it will award its electoral votes to whomever uh, wins the national popular vote, which is always now since you have these like blue hives in places like California and Illinois, like no Republican will ever win the national popular vote. But nonetheless, they had to be sat down and explained to as to why this was a horrific idea and why this would mean that just as a result of this particular uh, state legislature buying onto this, it would ensure that there would never be a Republican president again ever for the rest of their lives. You know, as a result, finally, they were disabused of that bright idea, but they did have to be disabused. So my point in saying this is that it may not be immediately clear to your immediate uh, state representative why President Gamal Harris uh, would be a disaster that would ensure that their children grow up in the comforting embraces of a FEMA camp. And so they may need to be politely educated as to why it is extremely necessary that they participate fully in the electoral process and award the electoral votes of their state to the legitimate uh, winner of the 2020 presidential election. And I have the feeling that at some point, Donald Trump will make that appeal that his supporters politely inform uh, their state legislature of their preferences in that regard and that people may be called upon uh, to act in that capacity. Here, here. Um, now, I was uh, mentioning this briefly because I just heard about it myself before we started. Um, and uh, Hank, uh, tell me why this is maybe not the case, but I was hearing through the grapevine that uh, these ballots have been watermarked uh, for a more simplistic way of putting it so that fraud can be detected by the Trump administration um, secretly. And so 
it was actually designed as a uh, as bait to catch people committing fraud. Uh, why do you think that's not true? Um, so I, I saw this. This is like a queue adjacent. I don't think it kind of originated in the queue memosphere, but obviously they've latched onto it. And I did actually see um, the uh, the uh, the Polak um, who uh, uh, the. Adam, you know who I'm talking about. Wait, wait. No, I don't. Who's this? He's on he's on InfoWars all the time. Uh oh, Pychenik. Yeah, 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 that guy. No, the the Polak. So, uh, uh-huh. Steve Steve <laughs> oh, Apologies apologies to the all the Polaks. Who, uh, uh, the guy who claims that uh, Tom Clancy wrote his books based on him. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Well he did write some of yeah. the books, but uh yeah, so, based on him is yeah, the he question. did he did go. I was trying to the books. Yeah, some. Yeah. What Nick said. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'll just yeah, that guy. That so, uh, <laughs> so Steve I Pichanek. did see his uh, his explicit claim that this was like, as far as he was concerned, a verified fact. It it's bullshit. I'm sorry, but it, it's bullshit. So, the first problem is that. Uh, the claim is phrased that like DHS was responsible for the printing of these ballots and that they were in various renditions uh, tagged with a radioactive ink uh, or somehow ballot information was quote unquote included onto quote unquote the blockchain. Yeah, I heard the blockchain. Uh, and the radioactive there blockchain. There was some signature of the ballot uh, that was somehow imprinted upon the ballot. So this is all bullshit. I'm sorry. But the first problem is that DHS does not have a printing press. All state ballots are contracted out based on contracts that are awarded by the state. Um, There were a few uh, issues. I mean, if you look up, uh, if you like, filter out pre-election day uh, news and you just search Google News for um, like ballot printing issues, you can find the names of some of the specific uh, printing companies involved. DHS uh, doesn't have any ability to like enforce uh, like anything really in this capacity. So and there's no contention that like state uh poll workers are running around to like kinkos printing off off shit that's not what's happening what's happening is you you print off as many ballots as you think you're going to need on site so you have like in a precinct that has a raw population of you know five thousand people you print off five thousand ballots those are legitimate ballots they're like u.s currency that came from the mint and you've got them in the stack and when somebody comes in you hand them a valid ballot they fill it out and that valid ballot goes into the box then once the polls are closed you discover that you're down by three thousand votes you grab those remaining valid printed ballots you fill them out, 
you find 3,000 people that didn't vote, you check them off as having voted, you mark Joe Biden in a hurry because you know, time's of the essence, so you don't bother with the down-ballot bullshits, and you put them in the box. So you have physically valid ballots, you have people that are marked off on your voter rolls as having voted, even if they happen to be dead or out of what, state or whatever. What, what about the 200% voting thing, though? I mean, I guess people who aren't, yeah. weren't registered is what you're saying. I mean, that seems like you can catch them on that. There's, there's like, there's multiple mechanisms here. So, I mean, you can talk about same day registration as yeah. like, oh yeah, this person wandered in, and depending yeah. on what the state standards are for same day registration, uh, you can kind of generate registrations on the fly. Like, hi, my name is John Smith, and I live on One Two Three Main Street. And my birth date is January first, nineteen hundred. Uh, pretty cool <laughs> or you know if you're in minnesota i'm 120 uh, years old <laughs> on january 1st uh like 1980 or whatever and that's literally about a third of the population of some of these housing complexes i mean you know sort yeah. by birth year is appropriate but uh turns out when people fly over from foreign countries and they don't really have the notion of a birth date being a significant uh thing or any documentation to that effect they just give them a january 1st birth date and if you've only got uh like 14 uh, names to choose from or uh, whatever it is in a lot of the muslim world then uh surprise surprise you've got a lot of collisions and you've got a lot of uh, fun opportunities there you got muhammad you got ahmed you got abdul what's the fourth yeah there's clearly a very selective set i mean it's different by country as far as what they um what they like quote unquote allow what's common as far as a, a last name. Um, but you know, in certain countries, it's like the, the set of names in the country, like a hundred names will give you 90% of the population. I mean, this, this is a digression, but the, the point is that these are physically valid ballots. Probably. I mean, it's possible that somebody was like, sheed, I ain't bubbling in all these motherfucking, like, ballots, and literally took one and, like, went to Kinko's and copied it and, like, came back and dumped it in. Yeah. Like, it's possible. I, I'm, I'm wondering. It's, yeah, go ahead. It's I, not necessary for the problem to have occurred. Well, okay, your point about the DHS not controlling the ballot production makes a lot of sense. What I'm wondering, because I really just don't, pay attention to the minutiae of this stuff so i'm glad you're here to explain it but is it possible that they were able to like seed a sufficient number throughout the country in places where they do have some influence so that you could statistically have a sample indicating that there was fraud i mean i, I don't even know if this is going to work legally because you know lawyers typically are not you know math people but um uh, th th this gets into like actually like debating things like in court versus what's right. So I don't know what the strategy is here, but it seems like maybe they they yeah. you know dropped a few in to kind of like you know taint taint the uh, like you know the FBI does that with uh, with bank bank money like they'll they'll taint some of it so that if it gets stolen they can trace it kind of thing. Um, I mean, I could design something with a simple serial number where like every ballot just has a serial number on it. And if you have a entire range that's, you know, more people than can fit on a bus. So like, because things like 
you know, our church group is going to the polls and we all know that we're all going to vote the same way. Um, you know, you can look at serial number ranges and you could identify, um, quote unquote, suspicious patterns of like, wow, you know, they handed out the first uh, 2000 ballots and those look like they have the expected, you know, even in Philadelphia, these have the expected of uh, 85% Biden, 15% Trump random mix of down ballot stuff and then immediately after that uh it turns into biden 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 like you could identify those number those patterns with a simple serial number check mm. now i don't know like the minutia of exactly how those ballots were printed if they have serial numbers if like any <laughs> like jesus lawyers cannot do math and, like, when I say they can't do math, I mean, like, lawyers cannot do arithmetic. So lawyers definitely cannot do statistical analysis of, like, okay, well, we have these ranges, and we assume that, like, groups within these ranges could be self-correlated. And then, like, judges are all approximately a million years old. And they definitely can't do statistics. And if you start saying statistics at them, they get kind of nervous because they yeah. know that they don't know statistics and exactly. ruling on statistical bases are likely to be overturned. So they're like, yeah, this looks suspicious, but like, is it possible that it happened? It's like, yes, well, it could have happened, but it's extremely unlikely. And you don't have any evidence of it happening. It's like, well, the numbers are the evidence. Like, well, you know, numbers, what are those even? And so, so you're back to square one. Yeah, this is why I'm so, worried about the statistical strategy because I, I think you know you need something that like a uh, hundred year old like senile Joe Biden person could understand. And and that's the jump. The the only statistic that you need is four a.m. a hundred thousand votes. Like that's yeah. it. That chart is and like you, it's clear as day. Visually, yeah, like. Somebody explain to me how that is happening. Like, you know, if we've got, if we've got like, you know, the the ADL guy uh, listening to this, or whatever, like, please, you know, we'll print your propaganda if you tell us like this is the explanation for why this happened. I promise, like, we'll we'll put that in print and we will say like this is the story for how that could have happened. This might be not why we particularly believe it. But we will we will print like this is the official explanation for how you get a hundred thousand homogenous Joe Biden votes at four a.m. By the way, um, I'm, I'm mystified as to why it would be like even a credible credible thing. Like I know there was the one situation with the quote unquote misplaced decimal place, but that was one incident, and there's there's like a half dozen of these. By the way, I'm not even sure how we're going to be getting this uh, recording out. Uh, as it stands, BitChute is back up. But I wanted to actually put this out there to uh, you guys and the audience as well, uh, the listeners, the, the friends of the show, to give uh, give some thought and advice to the stability of the video sharing platform known as BitChute and some of the alternatives. Because they put out a tweet a couple days ago on Election Day, literally, that they have lost their host. 
Uh, and I, I was able to find on two independent uh, Jewish websites, uh, as it turns out, they're not even hiding it, uh, that there were some British Jewish lawyers that were seeking to get um, BitChute deplatformed. And I guess that succeeded for a day or so. But they're back, which I am happy, I guess, of. But uh, there were a couple of alternatives proposed to me by some friends Um one is called uh, Odyssey. It's spelled O-D-Y-S-E-E dot com. And then another one I found, which was actually just where I found out about this uh, thing in Britain. Uh, it's called WorldTruthVideos.org. They're a little bit p- very political. They, they don't even hide it. Uh, so, and, and then there's DTube, which I've had some difficulties using, frankly. Um, but do you guys have any thoughts on you know the future of... Uh, where we get our videos out, what uh, the future of free speech is, given that YouTube has pretty much uh, dropped the hammer on anybody who... It's easy to distribute MP3s, like if we need to run a torrent. Yeah, Yeah. no, I I agree with that. I agree with that. Like, well, like MP3s are are super easy. Um, if, If people have kind of like the... The thing that is difficult is monetized relatively high production value, or even not really, just uh, video. Like video is storage and bandwidth intensive, yep. uh, depending on what you're doing, and it's just harder to distribute. So, I mean, there there are some things when you start talking about, um, you know, this graph shows this and this graph shows that, where it's really helpful to have. Uh, video um, or you know obviously if you have recordings of things that are live if you've got footage of you know, ballot shenanigans at counting places these are all things where distributing the video is uh, important and if it's a one-off I mean honestly BitTorrent still works fantastic for one-offs I th- there's no torrent that has ever been censored effectively uh, it's it's a easily propagatable hash. So, I mean, it it works great. It just doesn't lend itself towards like kind of building an audience and then the distribution of those and updating of those if you want to revise something. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I, actually I, astonished I've... that any of us are still on Twitter. I thought the purge was going to really start occurring. Like uh, there have been a lot of... Uh roadblocks that have been placed in front of the uh, main account for sure um but it's still somewhat accessible but yes that that reminds me of i am doing uh diligent postings to gab now of the show in case anybody you know sees us go missing on twitter uh nick you wanted to jump in yeah uh you have to forgive me it's storming uh at my place but i just Hank, I hate to put you on the spot, but I'm curious, man. Uh, how long do you think this fucking trade is going to go on for? So it'll take a bit. There, there are some hard deadlines. I believe the Electoral College meets in like December 14th or something this year. Oh, my God. It's something like that. It's uh, it's it's the uh, God It's set in the, the U.S code not the constitution but it's like the first monday after the second tuesday in december not when we year. it's some bullshit like that but it's it's mid-december um some states have their own uh certification deadlines um but those are legislative in nature 
So, I mean, we, we might want to talk about the kind of mechanics of exactly what is supposed to happen um, in most of these states. It's kind of like real nerdcore hours. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it actually. I have a corollary question. Before... Go on, Nick. Well, okay. So, my other, the other, yeah, yeah the other part to my question um, what is the exact fucking reason that the the vote counts are stalled on the east coast two days after the election and i said i understand it's how it is that a, a challenge to the election or a demand for a re what's that go ahead sorry you got my it's question a, it's a game of chicken so what looks like it's happening in pennsylvania over the past couple of days there's a few rural counties that are like hardcore red trump country it's like they joke about Pennsylvania is it's like uh, Philadelphia on one end, Pittsburgh on the other, and Alabama in the middle. Like that, that's accurate. Uh, it's like Pennsylvania uh, once you get beyond like areas where the streets form grids. And so given the shenanigans over the past few days, the suspicion is as soon as a red area declares, well, we got 5,000 net votes for Trump, Philadelphia will be like, well, you won't believe this. You literally will not believe this. However, uh, we have discovered 5,004 uh, straight Biden votes uh, on our doorstep, you know, left by a uh, benevolent uh, postal employee. So in order to uh, forestall, it's a game of chicken. So, like, nobody wants to close up shop and be like, okay, this is how many votes you need to beat us by. So that's one reason why things are all fucked up. The other reason is that you do have legitimate ballots trickling in uh, from uh, mail-ins and uh, legitimate counts in places. And if you do have a fraud operation, you need to account for that and make sure that you're not blindsided. So, I mean, that's why, why is it concentrated in the East Coast, though, as opposed to the Midwest or West or something? Well, the Midwest is already like when you talk about the Midwest, like the, the states at issue here are really they're not know, swing states. Georgia. Well, it, it, the surprise, surprise, no non swing state is seeing like. Oh yeah, weird thing just had a hundred thousand Biden votes arrive in the mail. Yeah, that that, that alone should be suspicious. Necessary. Like you look at areas with very similar demographics that are literally across the border from each other. Like you know the southernmost counties of Michigan versus like the northernmost counties of Indiana, and they have just completely different vote outcomes comes in terms of who they're substantively voting for and their delta of deltas from uh 2016 or even from the midterms like these are absurd differences but the point is that you know when you talk about the east coast quote unquote it's not like anyone's following the situation in massachusetts everybody knows which way massachusetts is going to vote you're talking about georgia north carolina uh arizona uh, Nevada, etc. Like Wisconsin, Michigan, um, 
these are the kind of the circle of states. It's not the East Coast per se. One thing to note is that a lot of East Coast, uh, you know, well, Philadelphia, New York City uh, in particular, like those kinds of places, they have much more established machine politics than someplace like, I don't know, Provo, whatever. So, I mean, there's a little bit more uh, ability, willingness, and knowledge about how to finesse the returns and when you actually return for maximum advantage. So let's say um, let's say this goes to court, and all of the arguments that we presented are made. Uh, I guess Biden's lawyers are there. What, what do you think they're going to say? What court does that go to? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's I guess state courts first, well, and then it depends. So if you're alleging that it's a violation of state electoral law, then it goes to state courts. Um, if you are alleging that it's a violation of the equal protection clause, like my equal protection. Uh, everyone not only does, but should shit on it as much as possible because it means literally whatever you want it to mean. Uh, but like federal election law does exist. Uh, equal protection suits do exist. So like in the, in the recount episode that we did, Bush v. Gore, I think we talked about this at some length, but essentially the, the chain went like you start at your, your local state court and then your local state court of appeals then your local state supreme court then you appeal your local supreme court your local god damn it your local state supreme court decision to the local federal district court on some federal constitutional grounds there's some uh, aspect of the decision that conflicts with some sort of federal legislation or federal constitutional guarantee then that federal uh, court um, can there there's some uh, weird lawyery stuff about like the extent to which the federal court is ruling on state law versus the federal court is ruling on federal law, but it goes to the federal court of appeal and then the federal supreme court. In parallel, you can also go directly to the, the federal district court. Uh, if you're just directly alleging some violation of some federal statute um, or the federal constitution, these things can go in parallel through different uh, federal district courts. If you have different uh, uh, district courts in different parts of your state, which I think is actually the case in a few states, it's it's like a nightmare. But eventually, like all of the paths lead to the U.S. Supreme Court if they want to. Like the U.S. Supreme Court is not under any obligation to hear appeals in this instance. So it's not likely but possible that you could have you know different uh, circuit courts of appeals with different things uh, in different states that uh, result in those states being handled differently it's still unclear uh, kind of which states are going to be the ones that are contested and if uh, they do get appealed are they going to be I mean, there's really no reason for them to be consolidated because they're different fact patterns and different sets of state laws. So you could have some situation where, like, you know, some Pennsylvania recount is halted and some Arizona recount is allowed to proceed and, 
it's just nightmarish combinations of things. But the courts are not necessarily the final arbiters here. There's a timing issue in that uh, if you need to get all of your electors seated by December 13th or whatever, like mid-December, these appeals all take time. And there's also the state legislatures working in parallel. So you might have decision process at some point as far as do we trust that the courts are going to ultimately rule in our favor or do we attempt to short circuit the problem and make the whole situation moot by directly awarding the electors via our state legislatures, which obviously, you know, has some legitimacy issues since it's literally never been done before. So uh, we've well, got a really exciting... Uh, Lindsey Graham, I guess, was on not too long ago. I think while we were talking and I saw, uh, apparently said that that option is on the table now. So it does appear yeah. as though that at least some portion of the Republican Party, at least the Republican Senate, is now openly discussing uh, having to do that. Because I think that to some extent they must see that... Uh, this fate will befall them inevitably. And while they, you know, I don't think they like Trump, but maybe the initial calculation was, and eh, we'll let Trump get bucked. Like, what's the big deal? Uh, now they probably understand that a, the average person's not going to tolerate that. And B, uh, this, this new, if this flies, it's just going to be deployed endlessly, this sort of same process. So I think that now they're, you know, they're kind of, openly saying that uh, lots of things that are technically constitutional but have literally never been done are uh, are now on the table for resolving this if needed. And the Trump press conference this afternoon uh, or this evening, it was designed to facilitate that response. So there was complete radio silence by the institutional GOP and by individual reps and senators with a, like a very few uh, exceptions until that Trump press conference where he was like, yes, we are contending that there was serious fraud here. We're going to take it to the courts. We're going to take it further than that if necessary, et cetera, et cetera. So at that point, I think everyone kind of looked around and was like, all right, are we on the same page here? And everybody... You know, I don't know how uh, ride or die the uh, the Senate's uh, Republicans will end up being, but uh, I don't know that they're necessary either. So much of this, like the only point at which the uh, the federal legislature is involved is the actual certification of the electoral votes from each state. And that only comes into play if there are competing uh, delegations like you you literally have two groups of people that show up from Missouri claiming to be the lawful uh, electors from Missouri so if you have the state legislatures uh, doing that there is a provision in federal law where uh, if there are conflicting uh, delegations they have their internal procedures for resolving that but I don't imagine that that would come into play if the state legislatures just do it by fiat. Like if we're to that point, I feel like they'll make it stick and not try to do like some internal Senate or House arcana to try to uh, 
unresolve the situation that got resolved more or less to everybody's satisfaction. He's like, there's no way that Joe Biden is going to jail. Like, Joe Biden is not going to like expire in jail. He's just going to sit in his basement doing crack with his grandkids until like just his brain melts. Well, I do so, think it's interesting that um, he'll be fine. Yeah. So there is a bit of, um, uh, what do we call it? I guess neuro-linguistic, soft neuro-linguistic programming going on. And if you consume any of this media, uh, you'll see a lot now of Joe's team, Joe Biden's team, this team, that team, is always used as the subject, whereas it's always Donald Trump. It's never Donald Trump's election team, Donald Trump's campaign, Donald Trump's or, legal Or the campaign. White House. It's, it's hardly even the you know, White House. You know, right like right the right president, here. it's not just some random yeah, guy. Yeah, it's just Donald Trump. It, it, so I think that, honestly, I, I had brought this up to some other people. Um, and if anyone listens to like the No Agenda show, they do this very often where they pinpoint this sort of soft neurolinguistic programming. But I think that, honestly, they're preparing people for the reality of Joe Biden in that um, this is a man who is, by all accounts, an Alzheimer's patient. Um, this is a man who is very physically weak. So what drugs has is, this man been on? I mean, people well, have been like, well, speculating. Well, get there, but yeah. this, this, he's clearly participating in highly staged events that only last a few minutes before he's immediately scuttled away. Um, and he's effectively MIA right now. He gave like a very strange, uh, bizarre speech from an undisclosed location and then has immediately disappeared. Uh, and it's just various elements of Joe's team A, Joe's team B, whatever the team is, are doing the talking. And they're being referred to as that. Uh, and Kamala Harris is basically MIA. No one's seen her in days. She's basically vanished ever since there was apparently a Kamala Harris impersonator being escorted around by uh, Secret Service agents in Florida. Very curious. I think Laura Loomer caught that one. But uh, and no one's seen Kamala Harris in, in uh, I think, almost a week now. She's basically just vanished. So uh, I do get the impression here that they are preparing voters for the reality of Joe, which is that um, Joe Biden is effectively brain dead. And it's really the team. It's going to be the cabinet. It's going to be this team, that team. And you're really seeing the origins, I think, of a sort of quasi-politburo, effectively. And they're trying to prepare people for that reality. Because if this guy is elected, and this guy is actually put into power, they're not going to be able to hide it for very long, that he is not there anymore. And... At this rate, it seems like it's it's accelerated very rapidly. I don't see him lasting six months. I think that they are hedging and they are trying to prepare for the necessity of, well, Joe Biden isn't really actively involved. He is president, but we're his team and we're managing this or that for him. And he picked us to do it. And I, I think that this is honestly a beta testing of what people are willing to accept in terms of uh, form of governance, which is, is it really about the brand, the man as the brand, or is it really about electing a president? And I think that's what it's really going to come down to. Uh, 
because Joe himself doesn't really seem to have the energy or the wherewithal to to lead this. Whereas Trump has made it very clear that he's in charge and that he is leading this effort and that he is at the forefront of ensuring that this was a, a proper election. Joe Biden hasn't been seen in public since election day. Yeah. And I do think it's also He's interesting, by the way, uh, Barack Obama has honestly been seen more frequently uh, in media and just in general than Joe or Kamala the last several weeks. Barack Obama is effectively running for president. So I think people need to be aware of what's really going on here is that this is basically the revenge of Barack Obama in one way or another. He is deeply involved in this, and this has his fingerprints all over it, and it has his clicks, fingerprints all over it. So do not be surprised if you see more of Barack than you see of Joe over the next week or two. And I think that that's intentional. What do you, what are your guys' take on um, on Fox News calling the state of Arizona? Uh, or what do you guys have to say about that? Well, the, so uh, the, the guy who was running the Fox News election desk, I heard, is a man named Arnon Mishner. Mishner. Beat me to it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, uh, you, you can fill in your own oh. there. I guess the Jerusalem Post has a nice profile of him. Yes, he's a he's a high-ranking Democrat donor who even worked for the Democratic Party at one point, and he was running the decision desk for Fox News that night. So that should tell you everything right there. Um, absolute scum like Brett Baer have been out there trying to defend the network, whereas it seems like people like Tucker and Hannity have been shitting on their own network and saying that it was very irresponsible and it was wrong. Um, so, you know, I get the impression that certain people over at Fox, uh, in order to salvage this, have basically been asked to pick up the pieces. Uh, you really have not seen much out of anyone involved, like election night on Fox. They had to bring Tucker on later at night just to salvage the, the whole thing. So, um, I, and I, I think Nick, you had said you don't see Tucker lasting long at this point and, uh, you know, neither do I. If this is how they're playing it, then clearly they're they're in on it, and uh, I don't see him being on the air much longer. So, Hank, what were you going to say about it? Oh, I was just going to mention this uh, the same guy's uh, resume. Uh, you know, he was a Hillary Clinton uh, official. Uh, yeah. The the Fox Network. I mean, they have their existing kind of fucking uh, brand. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. No, he's he's deep in the shit. Uh, but the Fox Network, they still have their existing capital as a quasi-conservative organization. I mean, even like even in you know, kind of the golden era of Fox, you know, the George W. Bush era, uh, their brand of conservatism was always of a very particular stripe. I don't think that we need to even elaborate more on the kind of contours of their concern. You mean like blue stripes going in triangles uh, overlaid over a white background? <laughs> yeah, those okay. are Well, let me add, so like just but my point, like I, none of this surprises me. I think the only thing that, that kind of got my attention about this is that they took point on it. That, that's the part that is kind of shocking, but well, I think the other networks are basically allowing Fox to do this because they 
I think that uh, they must have they must have some calculus where they think Republicans will accept this if Fox is the one leading the charge. And that's exactly how it rolled out yeah. on yeah. election night. Yeah. Pro Botwatcher, our our dear friend Pro Botwasher. Uh, on Twitter, has an excellent tweet laying out the exact sequence of events where first you have Trump ahead, then you have uh, Fox inexplicably, like literally the anchors are all like, what the fuck, uh, calling Arizona for Biden. Then you have this pause at which point it's like, okay, guys, time to start the printers wow joe biden is up by a hundred thousand ballots like it seems to be the triggering episode for this entire debacle yeah and there was another interesting thing all night that i that i noticed uh there were several key moments where Trump was ahead by hundreds of thousands of votes for as long as an hour at a time in Virginia. And even with a lot of reporting already in, and Trump's still very up, they refused to switch it like, well, you know, it could actually go Trump or it's a toss-up. But they basically insisted with like something like 3% reporting that, oh, Virginia's going to go Biden. Even though for most of the night, hundreds of thousands of voted for Trump. So, you know, you get this impression that it's basically some kind of, again, uh, because the polls, I think, were still open on the West Coast when they were doing that, and maybe even Mountain Time. Uh, you get this impression that the idea is effectively to very quietly and softly uh, sort of give you this neurolinguistic programming of, well, there's a big green check mark on Biden's face at the state. Huh. Okay. Well, it looks like Biden's really going to pull this off. Maybe I don't go vote. Maybe I get out of line because, you know, the voting machine's been down for an hour and a half or they ran out of ink and they told us to use Sharpie and it's taking an hour and I'm stuck in line and it's cold or it's dusty or it's hot. Like, you know, everyone's going through this. The, the lines were insane. The level of incompetence was surreal absolutely surreal and i get the impression that it's just this soft sort of subliminal and neurolinguistic programming where people see the big green check mark over biden for all these states i mean there's barely anything reporting even though trump's up almost the entire night in the state at no point did i actually think donald trump was going to win the state of virginia it's just gone state's gone but it was interesting to see that so many counties were reporting record low turnout for the Democrats and that several down ballot races in Virginia were going for Republicans. And Trump was leading throughout most of the night as they got more reporting in. Trump was still leading. They were waiting for Fairfax to flip it, waiting for Fairfax to flip it. But still, the fact that the entire fucking night, all these states, some of which they had to say went back, Trump had a big green check mark over Biden. So people tune into the news, they see that, they're like, ah, Biden's got it, I'm not going to go vote. It's irresponsible, and Fox News is doing it the whole night. They were, they were almost strictly the only people doing that sort of thing. It was so bad that I had to turn on right-side broadcasting, which is not bad. 
That's a YouTube thing. And of course, I'm greeted by people like Buck Sexton and some of these other characters. Uh, but who do I see as soon as I turn on Brightside oh, Broadcasting? Do you know who I do? You know who I see when I turn on right, Brightside Broadcasting? Ironically, I see Bill O'Reilly giving an interview. And it really struck me, given how bad Fox was, I tune into this random right-wing YouTube channel live streaming, and there is the, the former mega star from Fox himself, Bill O'Reilly, talking. And I really, in that moment, kind of realized, A, all the shit-lib complaints about Fox News going back to the Bush era. Uh, I mean, I don't think any of us really ever trusted Fox. But none of us, I think, expected it to be this level of propagandization. Um, and so a lot of those complaints kind of registered with me again. And B, it was really sad to see Bill O'Reilly, a man who was like basically a victim of fat black women lying, um, you know, being reduced to like an Internet show with 50,000 viewers in order just to get his message out. So. It, it was it was truly a horrific night for Fox News, and um, you know I if we have any listeners. Well, the word we, of the day, the word of the day is oil driller. Put yeah. that up on the screen. Put that up on the screen. Oil driller. Uh, if we have any listeners who are broadly associated associated with Fox or who work there, uh, I highly recommend you leave. Um, you your organization has totally backfired this whole thing whatever you thought that whatever they thought they were doing this calculus of fox will lead it and the republicans will buy it uh has failed entirely and no one's buying it and the only thing i see is people calling for like fox news anchors heads on bikes at this point um so i would highly recommend that you leave pronto and uh do something else because it doesn't look like your network's gonna have a lot of longevity now because people see them as as traitors, and I think rightfully so. That this was a this was um, sort of a horrific betrayal. And when you have to call on Tucker in the middle of the night to jump on the jump on the Anchorage position to basically salvage the whole thing, uh, I think you're in a pretty bad spot. Yeah, well, I, I don't think that these, these Zionist gatekeepers have ever had to deal with a situation where you have an American president that people actually like. That's also true. That's pretty true. Yeah. I, I think that honestly, um, you have absolute scum like, uh, Frank Lutz, Lutz, Lutz. What's that fat Fox name? Is it Lutz or Lutz? Lutz. Uh, Lutz. Yeah. Frank Lutz and all these other characters who are still part of that sort of general sphere who've never gotten over their supposed grievances with Donald Trump from five years ago. And they probably have been salivating for something like this. I don't know if anyone saw, but there were apparently leaked emails between Hunter Biden and Frank Lutz. And uh, Frank Lutz is basically admitting to being like kind of a polit like a journalistic hack. And that he was, you know, trying to help Biden out, and but they were mad at each other for some reason. I don't know. But you get the impression that a lot of these like mainstream conservative journalist types uh, are probably on the down low 
uh, working with the Democrats in some way or another. I know definitely Eric Erickson is. Um, how that asshole hasn't died of a heart attack yet is just beyond me. Um, ben Howe, I think, has been proven to have worked with Democrats. You have real scum like Eric Wilson, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Rick Wilson, uh, and his Lincoln Project, along with that fat Hapa, uh, what's uh, Kellyanne Conway's, uh, whatever her husband's name is. Uh, you know, you, basically all these people, all these uh, members of the Republican Party, I guess, these higher up officials or former media stars within it, um, have basically either been proven to be or have admitted to working with Democrats to screw Trump and screw the base and basically um, reassert their control. So I don't think anyone should have been surprised that Fox News like wasn't really pro-Trump and definitely tipped their fingers on the scale the other way. What I think was surprising to people was that um, they did it in such a coordinated fashion with the stopping of the counting and then the, all of a sudden the mystery ballots appearing and all of that. Like the fact that they were so ingratiated in this timeline makes me think that um, – and as this becomes has become more, more widely spread, this knowledge, I think uh, uh, they're finished as a network. And maybe that was the ultimate goal, by the way. It could have been the ultimate goal is even if you know the tail risk of – we alienate everyone and no one watches anymore. Um, and we, you know, the network goes down in flames. Uh, that would also probably satisfy some goals of whatever's left of the, the Murdoch family. people.